0: Down Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. What an awesome weekend. Hope you had an amazing weekend. Like me, I don't mean to brag. I hope your week is off to a good start. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out. We had so much amazing sports. I know that's a clunky way to say it. We had a lot of awesome sports to watch this last weekend. There was some fantastic basketball, both college and NBA. We're going to dig into all of that. A lot of intrigue in Brewers spring training, although I'm not going to lie, it's difficult for me to sit down and watch an entire spring training game because I don't know most of the players and, like, the numbers are, like, in the 60s and 70s. I'm like, I don't know any of these guys. I don't care about any of these guys. But I like to turn it on for a little bit and just kind of take it in, right? Hear the bat hitting the ball. Look at the sunshine. Hear the Brewers announcers and and get excited for baseball a little bit. So I did watch a little bit, and Logan Morrison had a fantastic weekend hitting huge bombs in back-to-back days. So there's a little bit of intrigue and conversation going on there. A lot of awesome sports, from the last couple of days. And I don't mean, before we before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, I don't mean to small talk about the weather, but indulge me for a sec. It was obviously beautiful this weekend. You guys don't live under a rock. I find it amazing, and it's really, really cool when it's warm and when the sun is shining, how everyone is happier and how everyone's in a better mood. And if you walk around outside, people are out on a run. They're out riding their bike. They're laughing. They're smiling. They're walking their dog. It is really incredible how much of our mood and our outlook and our energy is controlled by our environment. And it was really awesome this weekend to see the sun be out and to see everyone in lacrosse. And on Alaska, I was in Onalaska, uh, we ate, we had an awesome lunch there on Saturday, and just to see people out and about and smiling and enjoying themselves, which can be a little difficult when the sun sets at 5 in the afternoon and it's freezing cold and you don't want to go outside. So this weekend was really, really awesome, and I, I hope you're feeling like me. You're feeling re-energized, re-motivated, and in an awesome mood. And look, the weather didn't slow down today. It was beautiful. Outside for a walk today. I went for a run this morning. Like I- I'm doing great. And it's amazing uh how much of our mood and our outlook and our energy is controlled by our environment. And a big part of our environment here in Wisconsin is, of course, the weather. So that's it was a fantastic weekend. Hope you're doing well. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host, and we're gonna talk about the Badgers, we're gonna talk about the Bucks, a lot of great basketball from this last weekend. And it was beautiful, so I tried to get out and enjoy it as much as I could. And I was outside a lot. I went for a run. I got on my bike. We got up on the bluffs and did a little hiking. Like we, we soaked it in. But there was also a lot of great basketball on this weekend. Whether you're a college basketball fan, an NBA fan, or both, there were great games starting Friday night into Saturday and Saturday night and then into Sunday all day yesterday and all day Saturday. If you wanted to do nothing but watch hoops, it was the perfect weekend for you. I want to talk about some of these games real quick. So we're going to kind of do a full rundown, recap the weekend, and then I want to dig into some of these games in a little bit more depth, starting all the way back on, what was it, Saturday night? This is the time of year where the NBA gets some really marquee matchups, and they start having big games on Sunday afternoons and Saturday nights on ABC, and it has a bigger feel to it. Saturday night, I was out at a concert. I was downtown, and we saw them Cooley boys, which is, I love bluegrass music, I love folk music. And you don't really get a ton of opportunities to go see music like that. So that was really cool. But while I was at this show, I was watching the score. And then for the final couple minutes, I was that guy at a concert. Can you believe I pulled up the game on my phone? Just very nonchalantly. Watched. that wasn't a disruption. But Houston, the Rockets, and the Celtics were playing. And I, and I wanted to watch this game, or at least catch a little bit of it for two reasons. Houston traded away their center at the trade deadline. They play without a center. They are small ball to the T. Right, They're, I think the tallest player on the roster is like six eight. Like they have no center, so I, I'm I'm interested in watching the Rockets, seeing if they can actually make it work. And of course, Boston is a direct rival to Milwaukee, so I like to keep up with them. Watching Houston and their small ball approach is interesting. It's kind of fun. And you know what, Russell Westbrook, who had 41 points. By the way, it was a tremendous game. The Rockets won in overtime, one eleven to one ten. Russell Westbrook might actually be evolving. He had 41 points. He looked better than James Harden, and he's not shooting threes. He's terrible at shooting threes. That's always been his problem. He just loves shooting them anyways. James Harden also has a little bit of a, what's the word, critical eye from fans because he took a shot at Giannis and said it doesn't take any skill what he's doing. I wish I could be seven feet tall and just run and dunk all the time. So naturally, everyone's paying attention to Harden. Well, Harden wasn't great in this game. He had 21 points, but he took 17 threes, only made four of them. Not exactly a a premier night in a night where everyone was focused on him because if you're going to talk a big game, you got to back it up. And I don't know if you saw it was kind of going around social media. He may or may not have soiled his white shorts, whether that was sweat or some other type of... Bodily fluid. Uh, not a great not a great look for James Harden. We'll leave it at that. If you want to do some investigation of your own, you can if you haven't seen the picture. But that game was awesome. Yesterday, the matinee uh, were the Clippers and the Sixers. I, I like watching the Sixers because I, they're kind of a hot mess. But Embiid and Simmons, their two best players, are both hurt. And Philadelphia actually played really well. They they hung in there on the road in a tough game against a really good Clippers team. But just think if the Sixers had won, and you know how sports work, right? You watch games. You pay attention If the Sixers had won, it would have been their biggest road win of the year. Hands down. They never went on the road. They're terrible on the road. One of the most historically bad road teams for how good they are at home. The discrepancy is huge. If the Sixers would have won yesterday, and this would have been so much fun, we would have started the conversation, well, holy cow, are the Sixers better without Embiid and Simmons? Are they better without their two stars? Well, we were close. It didn't happen. But it actually was really fun because Shake Milton everybody's favorite NBA player. I'm sure you've all heard of Shake Milton, who's a second-round pick in his second year out of SMU. He went off for 39. So even without the Stars from Philadelphia, we still had a star performance. That was really cool to see. That was the afternoon game right before the Badger game, which we're going to get into. And then last night, really briefly, the Lakers and the Pelicans. Look, I hate to admit it. LeBron is still really, really good. And And Zion is, like, he's legit. Like, he's really, really good. He was backing dudes down. LeBron was backing dudes down, hitting fadeaway jumpers. Like, it was really fun to watch last night. I hope, I hope we get a couple more years like this from LeBron and we get to see LeBron and Zion go back and forth in the Western Conference for the next couple of years because that is, that's a really, really fun matchup. And they've played, like, two times in the last week. So we've, we kind of got to run it back and and get a quick rematch, which was really fun. That was last night. Now, the games that I want to focus on today were the Bucs games from this weekend and the Wisconsin-Minnesota game, which was yesterday... Afternoon, what was it, like 5.30? The whole day started to run together because I was spent either outside, not on my phone, not looking at the clock, or I was watching basketball. The Bucks had a fantastic weekend, and they did it without Middleton. It started on Friday night when they whooped the Oklahoma City Thunder 133-86. to 86. No Chris Middleton. Giannis was efficient. He was quick. He put up a tremendous stat line and was out in a very short amount of minutes. Easy peasy. Yesterday, not so much. The Hornets actually put up a really good fight. The Bucs played in the early afternoon yesterday. The, the the Hornets put up a really great fight, and the Bucs really struggled to get going offensively, but Giannis is there. 41 points, 20 rebounds, and 6 assists, which that stat line has not been done very many times, and it's been done by very few people. We'll dig into that later in the show. I want to talk Bucks later, but just know that Giannis and the Bucs had a tremendous weekend, even without Chris Middleton being available. He has a sore neck. The Bucs are going to play tonight. They're in Miami. Pre-game's going to start at 6 right when we wrap up on the Wisco Sports Show. So you can hear that game. Miami really good at home. It's been a while since these two teams have played. And they could be teams that meet in the Eastern Conference playoffs at some point. So a, definitely a matchup to pay attention to. That's coming up later tonight. But I want to talk about the Bucks at a later time. Because I think one of the most interesting games yesterday was the Badgers and the Gophers. We're going to dig into this game in more detail. And I want to talk about Greg Gard and Nate Reavers, and a couple other players, but let's start big picture, and then we can zoom in as the show goes on. The big takeaway from yesterday, and, and really my entire life, is how Wisconsin has managed to be consistently better than their border rival, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Not just in basketball, but in football as well. And I don't bring this up. I don't dig up the stat to just, dump on Minnesota fans. That's not what we're doing. In fact, I try to avoid that as much as I can, although sometimes it's too tempting because hopefully we have fans that listen not only in Minnesota, but in Wisconsin and in Northern Iowa as well. But this is just such a great example of how we should appreciate the Badgers for their consistent, sustained success. Wisconsin has finished above Minnesota in the Big Ten standings for 22 straight seasons in basketball. And 16 straight seasons in football. I don't say that to knock on Minnesota. I say that to really praise Wisconsin. It's hard being a good program. A consistent winner. It's really hard to be a consistent winner. Without having just a random unlucky down year. And Wisconsin's missed the tournament. Don't get me wrong. Two years ago they missed the tournament. They weren't miserable. That program never bottomed out. Like, Look at what Dean Smith in North Carolina is going through right now. They're just not... They're a below-average college basketball team. North Carolina, or not Dean Smith, but Roy Williams, excuse me. The Badgers have now gone 22 straight seasons in basketball without finishing below Minnesota. Sure, they've had up and down years, but man, oh man, the the, the, the luck and the 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 work and the investment that Wisconsin has put into their program, and and I did say luck because there is some luck involved, but Wisconsin's ability year after year after year after year to even if they're not great to still be competitive and to not bottom out is so impressive. And once again, I don't bring that stat up to dump on Minnesota, but 22 straight seasons in basketball, 16 straight seasons in football, where Wisconsin has finished higher in the standings in the big 10 standings than their border rivals, Minnesota. It's really, really impressive. And I know I complain about the Badgers mostly because I don't like college basketball. It's not an anti-Badgers thing. It's more an anti-college basketball thing. And I know I complain, but we really shouldn't because outside of Duke, Duke, And maybe Kentucky, although the titles really haven't been there for Coach Cal, and and maybe you can bring North Carolina into that group. Outside of a couple of programs in college basketball, as Wisconsin fans, we really don't have much to complain about because... Year in and year out, they managed to be good and competitive even when their team isn't the most talented or they aren't the most lucky or they have a player leave the program or there's a tragedy uh, with a with a death in a assistant coach's family. They manage to just fight through it. And I want to continue to talk about this game and Greg Gard, the good work he's doing with the Wisconsin Badgers coming up next. Bucks talk, Badgers talk, just basketball talk on the way. The Wisco Sports Show will return presented by Played Against Sports next here on WKTY. Disco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Bucks basketball tonight there in Miami. Six thirty tips. So the pregame is going to get underway at six o'clock. Right after we wrap up, Ted Davis, Justin Garcia, and the rest of the Bucks Radio Network will bring you the call. Coach Bud just announced that Chris Middleton will be back tonight after sitting this weekend. A really interesting weekend of Bucks basketball surrounding Coach Bud and, and, and the way that he's been managing rotations. And the MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, on the weekend he had. Really, really interesting. We're going to talk about that coming up in about 15 minutes. Some historically great performances this weekend uh, for the Greek Freak. We'll talk about that first. We got to talk Badger basketball. College basketball is not really my thing. Yesterday was a really fun game. And I'll admit that because it's a sport I really don't enjoy all that much. And I don't have fun. I watch it to stay up to date to prepare for March Madness, to know what's going on with the Badgers and with the rest of the Big Ten, but it's certainly not my favorite sport, as I've probably told you an obnoxious amount of times, but yesterday's game was really, really fun. There were 17, 17 lead changes yesterday between the Badgers and the Gophers. Wisconsin ultimately won 71 to 69. Uh, Sorry, I kind of buried the lead there. The main point is the score. The Badgers won, and it was right down until the last possession, obviously with uh, a two-point game. 17 lead changes. The biggest lead for Wisconsin was 12. The biggest for Minnesota was 7. And I don't just read the box score just to kill time. I, I I point that out to show you that at different points in this game, it looked like Wisconsin might run away with it. Or it looked like Minnesota might run away with it. And it was very back and forth. The lead changed 17 times. That's important in understanding how this game came to be. Brad Davison was the leading scorer for the Badgers. Uh, Oturu from Minnesota, who had 26, he really just could not be stopped. But we'll talk about that more as we go. The final 40 seconds of the game yesterday took about 25 minutes or so. That's what it felt like. felt like it took an hour. I don't think it took an hour. I mean, I'm guessing maybe, maybe it did take an hour. It certainly felt that long. And that's the mark of an intense, meaningful college basketball game. Is it timeout, play, timeout, play. Free throw, timeout, free throw, timeout, play, timeout. Okay, let's take another timeout now that we've seen this. It's just very back and forth commercial. Bring the stools out. All right, shoot free throws, bring the stools out. Very choppy, but that's the mark of a meaningful, intense, well-played college basketball game. And it is March, so it makes sense. And I think some of that choppiness and, 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 and very, very slow pace of play in the final minute might be part of the reason why I don't like college basketball. But if it's my team, and it's a close game, and it's a meaningful game, and it certainly was yesterday, then I'll get into it. Wisconsin has now won six in a row, and I believe they're just starting to play their best basketball now. Obviously, their record reflects that, but I think players are improving, and individually, they're playing their best ball of the year. And I think Greg Gard recognizes that. Last week, I pointed out this quote after the Michigan win. Uh, Greg Gard said 60 days ago, this wouldn't have been possible. We weren't ready to come into this environment against a good team and close the game on the road. Greg Gard acknowledging that over the course of a long college basketball season, this team has had ups and downs and have now found a way to improve and get better and get better and mature and be able to go into the Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor and beat a really good conference rival, Michigan. And I say really good, it's all relative because... The Big Ten is all the teams are very, very equal. So I guess there is no elite team, but they beat no slouch and they did it in Ann Arbor. And we've talked about at length on this show that road wins in the Big Ten have been impossible to come by. Greg Gard acknowledging after that road win last week that, yeah, I mean, two months ago, we we never could have done this. Greg Gard acknowledging that this team has come a long way. And look, I'm not overblowing yesterday. Yesterday was one conference win. The Gophers are under 500. The Badgers were at home. It's a game they certainly should have won. But yesterday is just another example of how the Badgers have looked different the last couple of weeks. Last couple of weeks where they've won six in a row. And yeah, look, the competition has been subpar, but there's no elite teams in the Big Ten. And that does include a couple of road wins, which have been difficult to come by. I credit Greg Gard for this. I don't know if you want to call it a turnaround. I certainly credit Greg Gard for this great stretch of play. Think of all that Greg Gard has had to coach through. In the last couple of months, the death in Howard Moore's family, which look, college basketball staffs are small. Teams are close. It's not a football staff where you have line coach, assistant line coach, wide receiver coach, strength and conditioning coach. There's four or five guys on the bench. That's it. Everyone is close. And I can only imagine what kind of tragedy and how impactful that tragedy was when members of Howard Moore's family passed away. He coached through that. He then coached through the drama of Micah Potter for some reason not being made eligible by the NCAA, fighting for his guy in a press conference, dealing through that. And look, knowing what we know now about how effective Micah Potter has looked, the Badgers probably could have won a couple extra games early on in the season just off his rebounding alone. And Greg knew that, and you saw the frustration. And then, of course, Kobe King leaves, which, by the way, the, the Badgers have been tremendous since Kobe King has departed the program. I'm not saying... That that's because of Kobe King, but who knows? Maybe with that that cloud hanging over everything, knowing that Kobe's not happy and he's going through some stuff, and now that he is gone, they can focus on basketball, and his teammates aren't worried. This is all conjecture, by the way, and I don't like to to assume about the personal life of a young man. Maybe the the, the departure of Kobe King finally gave the team something to rally around. Who knows? but that's something that Greg Gard had to coach through as well. And then, of course, Brad Davison gets suspended, and they're down to eight total scholarship players. It's been a really, really impressive job by Greg Gard. When Kobe King left, and the Badgers looked like they could be going through some turbulent times, losing some games and losing players, I never turned on Greg Gard. My bugaboo for Greg Gard was always player development. The last couple of years, I don't think players have developed from freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior, junior to senior. I don't think the players have been developing like we saw at the latter point of of Bo Ryan's coaching tenure. I think Brad Davison and Demetrius Trice came in and were like, hey, these guys are going to be something. And then they never really got better. Charlie Thomas and Khalil Iverson and that class of players is the perfect example. Players that came in as freshmen and played a small role and we got excited. We're like, man, wait until Khalil Iverson is a senior. He works on his game, man. That team's going to be good. And they never really progressed. They never really did. But even in the last couple of weeks, you see players developing and getting better. So I think Greg Gard in in that department has improved as well. I think Aleem Ford looks like a much better player. Yeah, he's shooting the ball better, but he's also becoming a more physical rebounder. Which was, his rebounding was non-existent early this year. And I don't know, maybe Micah Potter's taught him a thing or two. Or or just, he's becoming a more hard-nosed, well-developed player. But he's becoming a better player inside, which is something the Badgers needed. And Brevin Pritzel is becoming a shooter. Brevin Pritzel was a really highly touted prospect coming out of high school. And he never really became the elite player that we kind of hoped he would be. Well, I still don't think he's going to become the elite player we hoped, he's been better and he's been much better at home. And he hit a huge shot yesterday. Greg Gard's been doing a tremendous job. Yesterday, the television announcers, Corey Provis, former Brewer uh, radio play-by-play guy on the game, the announcers yesterday kept saying this. Greg Gard has pushed all the right buttons. He's been pushing all the right buttons. And I was kind of confused. I didn't really know what the announcers meant by that. When you watch Craig Council manage the Brewers, you watch him push buttons. Pull a pitcher, start a pitcher, start this player at first base versus the outfield. Baseball managers are the... Are, are are the poster child for button pushers. You're pushing buttons. You're sliding guys in and around. You're changing the lineup. You're changing the rotation. Greg Council pushes buttons. I don't know how much Greg Gard pushes buttons. So I kept hearing the, the announcer saying, well, he's pushed all the right buttons the last couple of weeks. And I, and I was kind of confused. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's the case. I think the team has rallied around each other, and individually, players have taken steps and gotten better, but I don't know how much this has been about Greg Gard pushing buttons. I, I don't know. But the last defensive possession... Greg guard absolutely pushed the right button. And it was one that when he pushed it, I didn't agree. And it ended up working, which I guess is what Corey provis and that announcing crew yesterday on big 10 network. Exactly what they were talking about. Let me set the scene. two forty-one remaining in the second half yesterday, the Gophers were up to 64, 62, and they had made 10 of their last 14 shots. The Badgers defense wasn't working. They couldn't get stops. Oturu and Carr were getting in the paint and they were bullying people. 10 of 14 shots with about two and a half minutes remaining. Badgers defense is reeling. Minnesota's offense is looking unstoppable. Something needs to be done. Greg Gard counters on the final defensive possession of the game. The the possession that allowed the Badgers to hold at 71-69 and eventually win the game. Greg Gard puts Nate Reavers on Oturu who had been unstoppable a physical force. He puts Reavers on Oturu on the final defensive possession. And I was talking to my roommate who could not care less about the Badgers. I said, Hayden, why are they not going with Micah Potter? Put Micah Potter on Oturu, the bigger, more physical defender. Don't use Reavers. Reavers hadn't looked good all day. And he hadn't, to be fair, on offense or defense. But it worked. Reavers steps him up. He counters. uh Oturu tries to spin. Reavers is there to meet him. He tries to jab step. Reavers is there to meet him poetry on the final possession reavers made his best play of the day in the biggest moment of the day and greg Gard put him there in that spot in that opportunity to make that play button pushing that play right there was a perfect example of what the announcers were talking about and probably what greg Gard has been doing the last few weeks i just haven't noticed button pushing button pushing Mad respect to Greg Gard. He's got this team doing really, really good things. Look, they're 19 and 10. It's not like they're going to be a top three seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're going to win more than a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament. But for the talent they have and the challenges they've faced this year, my God, has Greg Gard done a masterful job. And it's something that we need to recognize and appreciate. All right. When we come back, I want to move to the NBA. I want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks because this weekend was fascinating. No Chris Middleton. And the Bucks had two wins, both very different. Giannis Antetokounmpo, two different performances. Let's talk about it. Coming up next, the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Graham Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Bucks basketball, 6.30 tip tonight, 6 o'clock pregame. Ted Davis, our friend Justin Garcia, and all of the Bucks Radio Network will be taking off right after this show wraps up. Bucks in Miami tonight. Chris Middleton will be back. Chris Middleton was out this entire weekend, so the games were a little bit interesting. Giannis did not disappoint. I want to look at a couple of these games and just kind of... Appreciate what he was able to do this weekend. It was it was quite entertaining. Uh, if you want to send me your thoughts, you can shoot me a text 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line. As I said to start the show, this weekend was beautiful. Like, it would have been a sin. It would have been a crime to not go out and enjoy some of the sunshine. I went out uh, yesterday for a couple of hours just in between games or like during the second quarter of certain games because I don't want to miss the beginning or the end. So I was trying to get outside and get in the sun. And then on Saturday as well. But I had to stay inside to watch basketball this weekend. Because there were so many good games. And we talked about college basketball with the Badgers. We talked about a couple real briefly. The Boston Rockets game. Which was awesome. Uh, Sixers-Clippers yesterday. Which was interesting. Although without the superstars for Philly. Not as interesting as it could have been. And then Zion and LeBron last night. As far as the Bucks go this weekend... I have James Harden to thank for gifting us with an incredibly motivated, almost at times angry-looking Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you missed the conversation last week, or you you, you um, really don't spend a whole lot of him on Twitter, or, you, or maybe you don't pay attention to the NBA, James Harden last week was quoted saying, basically, he wishes he could be seven feet tall and just run and dunk. It takes no skill at all. Of course, implying that Giannis has no skill, which I said on Friday, is... Terribly inaccurate. I think the argument can be made that Giannis has less skill than James Harden. He's not as good of a shooter. Not as good of a ball handler. He's a much better defender. I think he's an equally good passer. To say that he's less skilled, okay. He does rely on his strength and size to get a lot of buckets. But he needs to do the footwork, to do the positioning, to put himself in a place to get those buckets. And we talked about that on Friday. I don't want to get into it. But I do definitely think that Giannis was motivated strongly this weekend by some of those comments. And I think if you just look at his stat line or the final score... It's not difficult to see. Let's start on Friday night. The Bucks won by 47 points. The The Bucks won by 47 points. 133 to 86 was the final score. They beat the Thunder. And for those of you who may not know, maybe you don't pay attention, maybe you don't care. The Thunder are actually a pretty good team. Fifth seed in the West, which is a very competitive conference. You got to deal with the LA teams. You got to deal with Houston, Denver, which is basically Milwaukee of the Western Conference minus Giannis. They go up against some really good competition, and Oklahoma City, since Thanksgiving, have the best record in the NBA except for the Milwaukee Bucks. They've been great and they've been really good on the road. So, Friday night's game, especially when the Bucks were down, Chris Middleton carried a lot of intrigue. The Thunder have an interesting combination of young, Good players. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was acquired in that Paul George trade, looks to be hopefully their next star. They have a lot of young, talented players. They also have some veterans. Chris Paul, who's been there, done that. Steven Adams, who's played in big games. He's played in Western Conference Finals. They have youth. They have veterans. And they have potential. They have something to play for and something to believe in. The next couple of years, they have a ridiculous amount of draft picks. Because of trading Paul George to the Clippers, which I believe netted them eight first rounders. I'm looking at their total draft picks for the next couple of years all the way through 2026. We don't need to get into it because it's not that important. But they have a ton, a ton of draft capital the next couple of years, including eight picks from the Clippers. Uh, via that crisp or the, the, the Paul George trade. And I don't want to read them all off because it doesn't really matter, but they have young, they have young players, they have veterans and they have potential. This Thunder team has every reason to be good and to compete night in and night out. And the Bucks demolished them. They destroyed them. And what's funny is they won 133 to 86. This is a five point game with five minutes to play in the first half. And if you turned away to go grab a bag of chips, to go to the bathroom, I don't know, take your dog outside so we can go to the bathroom. You would have come back to your couch. And the Bucks were demolishing the thunder in the snap of a finger. It was a five-point game with five minutes to go in the first half. Until it wasn't, and until it was done. Just like that. Middleton didn't even play! He didn't even play! And it didn't really matter for Giannis. Giannis was tremendous. He had 32 points. What's new? A 13 rebound, 6 assists. And he did it in only 27 minutes, which is really, really impressive. Giannis was plus 44 Plus 44, meaning when Giannis was on the floor, the Bucks outscored the Thunder by 44 points. Of course, they ended up winning by 47. Friday night was really fun, and I think a reminder that, yeah, the Thunder are a young up-and-coming team, but the Bucs are that good. And I get it, because the Thunder are a team that are doing everything right, and they're playing well, and they're building through the draft, and acquiring young, talented players, and they're winning on the road, and competing hard, and they're well-coached. But nobody talks about them. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And the opportunity they finally have to get on national TV against a good team, they get killed. And the Bucs have been there, so I get it. It just really sucks for Thunder fans. That was Friday night. Yesterday, they had Saturday off. Yesterday, the Bucs played the Charlotte Hornets, who are far from an elite team, but I don't know what it was yesterday. If it it was an early afternoon game, Giannis didn't get his nap. The Bucs didn't score 100 points, which snapped their streak. 93-85 to was the final score. And if Friday night was about the team, yesterday was about Giannis. Because other than Giannis, not a whole lot was going on. The offense was slow. It was bogged down. Giannis had 41 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists. Let me repeat that because I want it to sink in. 41, 20, and 6. That makes him the 6th player since 1983... To have a game with those totals. Meaning 40, 20, and 5 plus. 40, 25. He also became the only player in NBA history. In NBA history to record at least 40 points, 20 rebounds, and 5 assists in a game. With fewer than 35 minutes played. He only played 35 minutes. He only played. And you know what's funny? Is the performance from Giannis yesterday actually wasn't that much of an outlier. He performs to that level just about every night. The thing is, he never has to play 35 minutes. He normally plays 27, 28, 29 because the Bucks wrap up their business and are blowing teams out in the third quarter. If you look at Giannis's per 36, meaning all of his season statistics adjusted to match if he had played 36 minutes, which is kind of the average, but the Bucs are so good, Giannis never needs to play 36. Giannis's per 36, 35 points. 6.5 assists, almost 7 assists, 6.8 in fact, and 16 rebounds. Meaning, you know what? Yesterday, meaning f- f- 41 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists, It's actually not that out of the ordinary. It's just that Giannis had to actually play in the fourth quarter yesterday because the Bucks needed him, which never happens. So you might look at 41, 20, and 6 and say, oh my God, it's a career night. Well, actually, no, if he just played the average amount of minutes, we'd probably see that stat line or close to that stat line every single night. Now, of course, Chris Middleton was out too, which inflates those numbers slightly. Really, really, really impressive. And this weekend was also interesting because after James Harden's comments about skill, right, he doesn't have skill. He's just seven feet tall. All he does is run around and dunk and, 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 and I wish I could do that, James Harden said. Well, if you watch the game, which I know is a novel idea in the year 2020 because nobody watches games. They just look at the box score and, and draw their own conclusions, which is kind of a reflection of our society as a whole. We don't really read. We don't really watch. We read the, the caption and we form opinions. Giannis is actually adding some skill to his game. And he's used the last couple of games going all the way back to that game in Toronto. He's using these games, I, I think, is kind of a test run to add some different shots that he hopes he can go to in the postseason. In this game against the Hornets, yeah, the majority of his shots were in the paint. At one point he hit a nine point the nine, the nine foot fadeaway he hit over Miles Bridges was tremendous. He had a 15 point fadeaway, and he also did hit a three. Yesterday wasn't great from three. The game against the Thunder was a bit more of a clinic, especially shooting from three. He did pull him up from the mid range here and there, but for the most part, watching Giannis operate and watching him add shots and add tricks to his game, especially since he's Harden comments. In the Thunder game, he had a 27-foot-3. He had a 28-foot-3. Two 16-foot jumpers, one of them a fadeaway. He had a corner three from the other side. Giannis was hitting shots from all over the place. And what makes Giannis impressive is that he's improved skill-wise year-to-year-to-year. Raises his points every year. His rebounds, his assists, his shooting percentage. Year-to-year, he's always improving. He is a literal upward-trending line graph of an NBA player. But this season... He's improving week by week. He's adding shots and he's getting more comfortable taking some of these shots. And you hope that he can lean on some of these extra shots in the postseason when life gets more difficult, when he's being double and triple teamed and teams are not willing to let Giannis beat them. He's going to have to go to some of these shots. And it's nice to see them being worked into some of these regular season games. When we come back, uh, I'm angry. I have beef, uh, not just about the Bucks, not just about the Badgers, but in sports as a whole, I want to complain about something coming up next. Y- People are taking sports way too seriously. They're trying to outsmart the system. It's just—I I, want—I'll tell you what I'm talking about coming up next. I just need to rant about something. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Wkty, stay with us. Wisco Sports Show here on Wkty. Final segment. We'll get to the Bucks pregame in well about nine minutes. They're in Miami tonight. Tip is at six thirty. Chris Middleton's going to be back. in Eastern Conference rivalry game. This is a game that might be a good test before the playoffs, should the Heat and the Bucks meet. So, be tuned in. 630 Tip, Ted Davis, Justin Garcia, and company on the Bucks Radio Network. Uh, that game starts in a little bit over a half hour. Look, I-, I got myself frustrated today, and admittedly, I do this to myself. Like, sometimes I just... I- Sometimes I just want to get mad about sports, and no one will argue with me, so I just argue to myself, and I, maybe that's why I have the show. I think I'd go insane if I didn't have this show. I'm mad today because people are trying to outsmart sports. You know the funny thing about sports is they're not really that complicated. Yeah, I know sports betting is difficult, and it's unpredictable, and there are crazy upsets and buzzer beaters and half-court shots that go in. There's a lot of madness in sports, which is why it's so fun. But really, we know who's good. We know who's bad. We know who's in the middle. And typically the team that wins the most games is the best. Look like, at like right now I'm looking at the stats on my computer from the Bucks Thunder game on Friday night. Bucks won 133.86. I can look at just this one screen. Hands off the mouse. I'm not going to look at anything other than the final score and the record. The Bucks are fifty-one and eight, and the Thunder are thirty-seven and twenty-three. I can assume Very safely that the Bucks are the better team and that they would win should they meet up in a seven game series in the postseason. It's not that hard. Sports are not that complicated. The problem is today, especially people are trying to just make just trying to outsmart sports. They're really not that complicated. Example number one. Today was selection day for the NCAA Division three basketball national tournament. Right. And congrats, by the way, to the UWL women. Absolutely. They made it. I thought they deserved to make it last year and this year they got in. So when I, when I say that, I'm, I'm not taking away from what the women did. Absolutely. It's awesome that they made it. Here's the problem. The men didn't make it, which isn't the biggest deal in the world, but UWL Claire did. UWL Claire had a worse season record than UWL, finished below them in the standings and UWL swept the season series against the blue golds. So you tell me. Am I missing something? What am I what am I missing? Because the people who are selecting these teams obviously must must be smarter than I, because I I I can't figure it out. Sports aren't that complicated. College basketball isn't that complicated. is a better team than Eau Claire. They showed it twice. They showed it all regular season long. So Claire got hot and won one extra game in the tournament. Okay. Let's calm down. And once again, congratulations to the women. It's exciting because they should have made it last year and they didn't. They're in this year, which is awesome. They got an at-large bid. But to put Eau Claire over UWL, why? Just stop trying to talk yourself into inferior teams and just put the better team in because that's how sports work. You are as good as your record says you are. It's really not that complicated. That's example number one. Example number two, and we've talked about this. People just trying to talk themselves into Boston, Philadelphia, Miami, the other teams in the Eastern Conference. People trying to talk themselves into how the Celtics, the Sixers, the Heat are going to beat the Bucks and come out of the East. Why? The Bucks are 52 and eight. They have a historically great point differential of over 12 and a half points. That is as good as Jordan's Bulls. It's as good as the 15-16 Warriors, which I blame the Warriors because if the Warriors would have won the title in 15 and 16, I don't think there'd be a debate about who was going to win the title this year, the Bucks. But because the Warriors got upset in the most miraculous of ways, now it's bad to win in the regular season. Pardon me. The Bucks are 52 and 8. They have a historically great point differential, and and, and you want to talk yourself into Jalen Brown being the second best option on a Celtics team that's supposed to beat that team four times in seven attempts? Okay. <laughs> do the, Do whatever mental gymnastics you need to do to talk yourself into that one, buddy. If you want to pick against the Bucks, fine. How about the Toronto Raptors, who I think might just be the second or third best team in the NBA, but for whatever reason, they won 17 games in a row. No one cared. No one cared. If Toronto played in Boston, they'd be the favorites to win the title right now. As the second seed, I wholeheartedly believe that. And this isn't the whole big market, small market thing. It's not what I'm doing. But we definitely give the benefit of the doubt to the Celtics, the Sixers, and now the Heat, which is a little bit like Eric Spolster should get the benefit of the doubt. Don't get me wrong. The Bucks are 52-8. and They have a historically great point differential. Not just a good point differential. It is historically great. And you want to tell me that Miami? Yeah, Duncan Robinson's going to take them down. Yeah, don't mind me. Apparently, I'm the dumb one because I'm just the one who applies common sense to sports. That's example number two. Example number three is the LeBron Is the LeBron James for MVP people. And I watched I watched every second of the Lakers-Pelicans game last night. LeBron was tremendous. He was fantastic. And I think if the voting was today, Le- Giannis will get first. LeBron should get second, and that is totally, totally deserved. LeBron has been tremendous this year. And by the way, the Lakers are really good too. You want to talk about best player on best team? Well, in the field of the Western Conference, and in an NBA that doesn't include the Bucs, the Lakers would be that team and LeBron James would be that guy, but he's not and the Lakers aren't because the Bucks do exist and Giannis is their best player and he's going to win the MVP. LeBron was great against Zion yesterday without Anthony Davis. Total MVP game. But they also got killed by the Grizzlies on Saturday badly with Anthony Davis in the lineup. It's, it's just some of the arguments I saw today for LeBron for MVP. Just say you want LeBron to win an MVP because it's a great story. Just say it because that's the only reasonable argument. I I saw an argument today, I think it was from Cowherd, I I didn't listen to the segment, but I think I I read the caption. LeBron has run the, the, he's been in charge of the league for a decade now, it's run through him, Giannis has won two playoff series, LeBron's the MVP, none of that makes a damn bit of sense, none of that matters a damn bit, because the MVP isn't about what's happened for the last decade, and it isn't, it's not about what happens in the playoffs, LeBron's not the MVP, he's a really solid number two, and he's having a tremendous season. I saw the argument today. Well, the East is way worse than the West. LeBron has it harder. Well, I don't know. Every time we talk about the East, you want to tell me how great the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Heat are until it comes time to pick an MVP. Then they're chopped liver. Then the Celtics suck and, the, and, and, and the Clippers, that, the West, that's the conference to be in. I just, sports are not that hard. They're not that complicated. If you ask me to pick, who is going to win the NBA title today? I would make a prediction, and it very well might be wrong. But we're not talking about rocket science here. We're not talking about brain surgery. We're not talking about million-dollar bets to pick an NBA champion. We're talking about who the best team in the East is, and it's obviously Milwaukee, and it's not close. 51-8. and They have a point differential of 12 and a half I can't even wrap my mind around how good that is. That doesn't happen. And if you're a sports better, you better be betting the Bucks to cover every night because they cover every night. Well, not every night because nothing would be that easy. But like four out of every five nights, the Bucks are covering. Bet them. It's free money. It's literally free money. They keep making the spreads bigger. It doesn't matter. The Bucks keep covering. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Watch the games. Look at the records. Look at the point differential. And you're 95% of the way there. Let's not overthink this. And by the way, the UWL men should have been in the tournament. Eau Claire over them. In is laughable. It's laughable. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it all. Bucks, heat, pregame starts in one minute. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Same time, same place. The Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Talk to you then.